Thank you, brother. Well, as I've said in the other two times we've met uh, so far, uh, I, it's a joy to be here. It's a privilege to be here. We're thankful for the opportunity uh, to be back at Canaan Baptist Church. I never counted a light thing when a pastor trusts me in his pulpit and invites me to come and preach God's Word. I know it's a great uh, responsibility to teach and preach God's Word, but it's also a great privilege to be able to do these things. We thank God for His Word. His, we know our God is good all the time. Amen. And so is His Word. We thank God for His Word. I want to ask you today to turn to John chapter 7. John's Gospel chapter 7. And verse 37. John 7 and verse 37. I'm not doing this just so that I can flaunt the fact that I have something to drink and you don't. I'm lubricating the vocal cords, okay? That, that, that needs to be done, and so uh, we're grateful to have some water up here. Thank you. I think it was Nathan that brought it up here. I appreciate Nathan today. John chapter 7, verse 37. You find your place. If you're able to do so, I ask that you stand as we show our respect for the reading God's holy word. John chapter 7 and verse 37 and verse 38. I want to read these two verses. I'll have prayer. You can be seated and we'll get into the message at that time. In verse 37, in the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Let's pray. Father, again today, we thank you for your precious word. I pray your blessings will be upon the reading of thy word. And now, Lord, I ask for your help and leadership and direction for the preaching of thy word. Father, I pray you'll give me clarity of thought and strength of voice and liberty and power to bring a message today that you'll use in the hearts and lives of people. Lord, I would never want just to preach a sermon. I pray you'll make it a message. And through it, I pray you'll speak to hearts and minister to lives according to your purpose. Lord, I Acknowledge right now my complete and total and utter dependence upon you to uh, do anything that's good or anything that matters. Lord, I know that anything that's good that's done today, you'll be the doer of it. We praise you for that. I pray, Lord, you'll be pleased by the message and the way it's preached. And more than that, Lord, I pray you'll be pleased by the response of people to thy word and thy spirit as it works. I pray you'll work in hearts in a powerful way and that right and significant decisions will be made in the lives of people. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you and please be seated. <clears throat> in our text here we read that Jesus stood on the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles, that's the one I'm speaking of, and cried, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. The Feast of Tabernacles was the feast that uh, at that time they celebrated the ingathering of fruits. There were three national feast uh, uh, holidays for uh, the children of Israel. And it, was, uh, uh, it wasn't a holiday like a holiday. It was, they were holy days, uh, uh, time to worship the Lord and fellowship together. But three times a year, all the men of Israel and boys were to meet together uh, for these seven-day Feast. And this is the Feast of Tabernacles where they celebrated the ingathering of fruits. It lasted seven days and it commemorated the dwelling in tents during the wilderness wanderings. And this was the most joyous of the national feasts or festivals as we would call them. 
It was a seven-day long holiday to celebrate the harvest. I think about celebrating the harvest. I'm not a farmer. I've not been a farmer, but I've lived in rural Indiana for a long time, and we have farms all around us, and uh, we uh, have farmers. We have farmers in our church, and, and I've had relatives that are farmers and so forth. I know a little about, about farming, and I know a little bit about harvest time, and harvest time's a happy time. It's a celebration time. If it's been a good year for crops, and most years are, some are not so good, but most years are, it is payday after working all summer. There's great satisfaction when the harvest is, is in, when the crop is in. It's like the job is finished for this year, and they can slow down and settle down for a while, some of them for a few months before they have to really get back at it and start getting ready for, for the next harvest, and it's a real happy time. The, the harvest time, and I think it was that way in Israel, they were celebrating the ingathering or the, the harvest time. It's a great time of fellowship and rejoicing. And I know there's agriculture around here as well. And I know uh, in Indiana, uh, it's, uh, it kind of reminds me here of Thanksgiving time in Indiana. You know, Thanksgiving time, by then, the crops are all supposed to be in by then. Because if they're not in, uh, they're going to start being on the ground instead of being able to harvest them because of the, the snow and the cold and, and so forth that affects all those things. Uh, and Thanksgiving is a very special time. Uh, it's uh, after harvest in our area, they have fall festivals and they have fall gatherings and so forth that are fun and exciting and, and it's usually a lighthearted thing. And, and uh, I've also noticed that during that time, if it's been a good year for crops, you see a lot of new pickup trucks. And uh, I had an uncle who was a farmer about an hour north of where uh, we uh, live and uh, he farmed uh, throughout my lifetime and from the time he got back from World War II he was he was a farmer and and back in that what he had done before and and I remember different times we would see them at Thanksgiving time and he didn't usually have a new pickup truck but every two or three years he had a brand new car and uh, that was the time he got it was after harvest time and uh, usually around Thanksgiving time when the the crop had come in and so forth but what I'm trying to uh, illustrate here and what I want you to see here this feast this festival was a great and joyous time. And at the, at, on the last day of the most joyous of festivals, Jesus said, if you thirst, come and drink. And when he said, if you thirst, what he was saying is, if you're not satisfied, if you're not fulfilled, come and drink. Title of the message today is The Thirst That Only Jesus Can Satisfy. There is a thirst that only Jesus can satisfy. The thirst, when he uses the idea of thirst, it speaks of a recognized need. When a person has a thirst, and there is a thirst of soul, and, and that's what we're talking about, it's a need of which we're conscious. It's a craving for something that's not in our possession. It's something which people are conscious of, even if they don't know what their need is. Even if they don't know what's missing, they know something is. It's called a thirst of soul. And perhaps the greatest of all physical cravings is thirst. I'm telling you, when you are really thirsty, you're not wanting anything other than something good to drink. Amen? 
and uh, something water, if it can be cold, it's good to have cold water, but even if it's not cold, to have water. I know what it's like to work outside in the heat and the humidity and spend all day out there and sweat and, and uh, get a headache because the sun's so hot on my head and so forth, and many of you uh, can relate to that. And, when I, and I've been uh, thirsty like that. When I'm thirsty like that, I'm not interested in a steak. Now, most of the time, I'm interested in a steak. But when I'm thirsty like that, I don't want a steak. I don't even want a good piece of pie. I want something to drink because my body is craving uh, that rehydration, if we want to use that term. We are needing something to drink, and we know there's something missing. And I want to emphasize the fact that there is a thirst of soul. The psalmist said in Psalms 42, My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. That thirst of soul is an emptiness or a void that only Jesus can fill. He's the only one who can. You know, God created us in His image and in His likeness. And God created us to have fellowship and communion with Him. We see that in the Garden of Eden where after Adam and Eve were created, God came down, the Bible says, in the cool of the evening every day, and He visited with Adam. He communed with Adam there. And God desired that with Adam, and Adam greatly desired that uh, with the Lord. And sin is what has caused the thirst, though. You know, Adam got to have that thirst quenched on a daily basis until sin entered in. But sin has caused us to depart from his likeness. The devil, who is a liar, told Adam that big lie. He said, uh, you will become as gods. And the only way that we became as God is that we know, know what sin is because we are sinners by nature now. Fellowship and communion were, were destroyed by sin. Adam, after he had sinned, was cast from the Garden of Eden and he was never allowed to come back in. And I'm telling you, that separated him from God. And uh, in uh, Romans chapter 5 and verse 12, the Bible says, Wherefore is by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. And you know, as I was a young Christian, I got saved when I was 18 years old. As a young Christian, I started reading the Bible. And I remember the first time I read the Genesis account there. And it said, God said, in the day you eat thereof, thou shalt surely die. And I read it. And he didn't die. He just got kicked out of the garden. And he lived several hundred years after that. And I thought... I know God is true and I believe God's word is right, but I don't understand this. And it didn't take me long to understand that what happened that day is Adam died spiritually. He died spiritually that day. And then he ultimately died physically because when he sinned, that's called the fall of man. And not only has man fallen spiritually, he's fallen morally. We've fallen physically. And, and the physical death of the body is the ultimate result of the, as far as this life is concerned, uh, of the spiritual death that he uh, incurred on that day. Sin separates from God. You know, the word death in its, its root means a separation. The Bible says uh, that the body without the spirit is dead. And, you know, we think about uh, the uh, death and we think clinically it's when your heart quits beating or when you quit breathing and, you know, functions uh, totally stop and all that. And I know that's the clinical definition of death. 
But the literal definition of death is that the spirit is separated from the body. You know, there's been a lot of people who've had their heart stop beating and have it started up again. And people have stopped breathing and then they've been resuscitated and they can breathe again. And uh, they, didn't, they didn't die. Their, their spirit wasn't separated, but their function stopped for a little while. Or at least some of them did. And then they're brought back to life. But the, the real ultimate definition of death is separation. And sin has separated us from God. The original sin separated Adam and Eve from God. But not only were they separated from God because they had sin, but he became a sinner. And he became, received a sin nature. And that sin nature is passed on to every one of us because we are all of Adam's race and we've all uh, come from him. And that is passed on from generation to generation to generation. Sin separates from God and, and uh, left us with a void or an empty place in our heart and a thirst or a craving to have that empty place filled. That's what we're talking about when we talk about a thirst of soul, that empty place in our life that only the Lord can fill. Thank, good Jesus, thank goodness Jesus can satisfy this thirst, and He does. He does that by bringing us back to God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 20, in the latter part of that chapter, it talks about us being ambassadors for Christ. And it says in, in verse 20, it says, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. And what we would say to you today, if you've never been saved, if you've not received Jesus Christ as personal Savior, you are spiritually dead and you are bound for an eternity, which is called the second death, which is eternal separation from God in the lake of fire. And, and you need to be reconciled. You need to be brought to God. And you do that by receiving Jesus Christ as personal Savior. Brings us back to God. And, and fellowship and communion is brought about or is restored. And by the way, I'll not spend a lot of time on that at this point in time in the message, but Christians can experience a form of separation from God. And I'm not talking about losing your salvation or ceasing to be a child of God or ceasing to be saved. But when Christians walk afar off from God, we are separated in that good communion and that good fellowship and that, and Christians can get to feeling empty too. Because you can't lose your salvation, but you can lose your joy. And you can lose your peace. And you can lose your contentment. And you can lose your spiritual power to live right and to serve well. And, and, and those things which are so valuable even in this life. And those are all the result of sin. Fellowship and communion being restored. The void is filled. And the thirst is quenched when a, when a person gets right with God. And that only comes through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And not until then. I was at a church uh, a while back and on Sunday night they uh, baptized uh, on Sunday night uh, in the service and there was a man who had been saved and I don't know he would have been probably in his 30s I would guess age wise and and when he got up to be baptized the pastor said would you like to give a testimony and some churches do that at, at times sometimes not and, and he said well he said I just want you to know this I've known for a long time there was something missing in my life and now I know what it was his thirst had been satisfied. He had come to know Jesus Christ as personal Savior. And there's many of us here today could give testimony to the same thing. Amen. We came to Jesus Christ 
and what a difference he's made. The thirst of soul is universal. I believe that needs to be recognized and understood. It is as universal as sin. And we know sin is universal because the Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You know, I oftentimes say this when I quote that verse. I've, I've looked up that word all and I found out that that word all means all. <laughs> like everything in the Bible, else in the Bible means what it says, all of sin. That's me, that's you, that's everybody else. I had a man years ago, I'd uh, preach the gospel and I'd preach for all sinners and so forth. And he came up to me after the service and he said, preach, I don't appreciate the fact that you called me a sinner. And of all things, he was a Marine. Has anybody ever known a Marine that wasn't a sinner? <laughs> or Army or Navy or whatever else, okay? And I said, well, I want you to notice, anytime I say you're a sinner, I'm pointing at the congregation with one finger. I got three pointing back at me. Because we are sinners, amen? amen. Thank God, sinners saved by the grace of God. Amen. Having that void uh, filled that empty place taken care of. Everyone has a need for Jesus Christ. The Bible says for the wages of sin is death. You know, we live in a world full of people who are trying to earn their way into the favor of God. People are trying to earn their way into heaven. And you know, the only thing you can earn is hell because the Bible says the wages and wages, that's what you earn. The wages of sin is death, but... The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I say it this way. You can earn your way to hell or you can trust your way to heaven Amen. by putting your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Everyone has a need for Jesus Christ because everyone needs forgiveness of sin. I was witnessing to a man years ago and talking to him about the Lord and about his soul and he got a little bit uh, ouchy with me and he said, you Baptist preachers, you're always talking about people being saved. You're trying to get everybody saved. Saved from what? And I said, saved from eternity in a place called the lake of fire. Saved from eternal torment. That's what we're saved from. I'm, I, I think it's wonderful to be a Christian. I'm so glad to be a Christian. And I, I, I know what the abundant Christian life is, abundance of joy and peace and contentment and fellowship and those kind of things. I've experienced that. I'm thank God for that. But I'll admit to you today, I got saved because I didn't want to go to hell. Amen. Saved from eternal torment by putting faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And that is a universal need. To have our sins forgiven and then the universal need to have to, to quench the thirst of their soul. The empty place in their hearts. And I want to say this to Christians as we're talking about people getting saved and people getting right with God. Christians, as you talk to lost people, and I trust you do, give out tracts and invite people to church and the ones you get a chance to really talk to, talk to them about the need to be saved. I know many people you talk to, they act like they have no care at all about those things. Many people, they've convinced themselves there's no need for those things. But I guarantee you, in the depths of their heart and soul, I believe every human being has times in their life where they feel like there must be more than this. There is something missing. You know, tough guys have to act tough. And 
Sad to say, tough women have to act tough too today. Act like nothing bothers them, like they're not interested, like they don't care. Go ahead and give them the gospel anyway. Go ahead and talk to them about the Lord anyway. If you've been at it very long, you've, you've had the privilege of talking to people who acted so cold and so indifferent and so don't care about what you're talking about and so forth. And by the way, that, that uh, military guy I talked about that he, he uh, took up a offense with me over calling him a sinner. It was about five or six weeks later he was at the altar Amen. receiving Jesus Christ as personal Savior. I've had the privilege of talking to people who and I don't like talking to people when they're, they're cold and indifferent, some of them even belligerent and some even hostile. I don't, I don't enjoy those conversations, but I don't count them as worthless. I don't count the conversation as a waste of time. I count it as a time of sowing seed. As the Bible says, he that goeth forth and weepeth bearing precious seed. So Christians don't give up on that. Keep bearing precious seed. Keep talking to people about the Lord. You never know how God's working on the inside of that person, no matter what they're showing you on the outside. And by the way, talking about bearing precious seed, and I know you're doing a lot of that, and praise God for that. Anybody who's about that business and has been about it for any length of time has had the devil come and say, it doesn't do any good. They don't care. They're not interested. But I want to remind you today that the devil is a liar. And the reason he tells us it doesn't do any good is because he knows it does. People get saved as a result of people caring about their soul. So what I'm saying is that need is in everybody. Everybody needs salvation. Hell is waiting for, they're waiting for anybody who leaves this life without Jesus Christ in their heart. They're going to eternal torment. They need the Lord. Whether they acknowledge their need, whether they even know they have a need, they still need the Lord. We need to do our best to share Christ with them. The thirst of soul is universal and only Jesus Christ can satisfy the thirst of soul. People try to satisfy their inner thirst with the things of this world. They try all forms of pleasure, and by the way, not all pleasure is sinful, but they, they make it sin by making it their God. And, and all forms of pleasure and people seek fame and prestige. And by the way, fame and prestige doesn't have to be worldwide fame for them to seek it. They just want to be well-known and well-liked among their circle, among the people in their world, if I can say it that way. And fame and prestige, and they seek wealth and material things, and people... Uh, go after drugs and alcohol and, and illicit fashion of drugs and human relationships and achievements and hobbies and sports and recreation. And I'm not preaching against hobbies and sports and recreation, but they do not satisfy. Amen. The things of the world, concerning the things of the world, there's never enough. There's never enough. But Jesus is enough. You know, once I received Jesus Christ as personal Savior, I've known ever since then, He's what I needed. And He's what I still need and always will need. Jesus satisfies. He satisfies the thirst of soul. If any man thirsts, Jesus said, let him come unto me and drink. 
any man thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. You know the word come is one of the simplest words in the English language. You know, you can look at a little toddler, boy or girl, two or three years old, even younger than that if, they, if they're old enough to toddle a little bit and walk around. And you can look down at a toddler and say, come here, come here. You know they know exactly what you mean. I like kids, don't you like kids? Amen. I have kids, I have grandkids, and kids in the church. And You know, there's nothing like when you look down at one of the kids and somebody you really know and care about, and, and they say, come here, come here. Isn't it great when they literally jump into your arms? Amen. And they put their arms around your neck and really hug. That's a special thing, isn't it? You know, I've had the other thing happen, too. You probably have, too. <laughs> have you ever looked down at one of those little sinner toddlers? <laughs> <laughs> Said, come here, come here, and they'll look you right in the eye. And they know exactly what you're saying. And with a smirk on their face, you don't have to be old to have a smirk. They'll turn around and run the other way. Has anybody ever had that happen besides me? You know, our God reaches out and says, come to me. Amen. To come, the word means, it signifies approach to a person or an object. It expresses action and it implies use of the will, like the toddler, who either will or won't come. And you know, I believe with all my heart when the Lord reaches out to us and He's reaching out right now because He's always reaching out, amen? He reaches out to us and we realize He's beckoning us to come. When we come to Him, we don't grab Him and hug His neck, but I believe it feels as good to Him as any toddler's hug ever felt on our neck. He wants you to come. He loves you. He cares about you. You know, Many times, adults, even when we know what God is telling us to do, we turn the other way, don't we? The Bible says, says all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him, that's the Lord Jesus Christ, the iniquity of us all. He died for our sins, but he only saves us when we come. He says, come unto me. To come to Christ is to do with our heart and our will what we would do with our feet if we were approaching a person or an object. You know, come is, it, it, it involves repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. In Acts chapter 20, just let me read a couple verses here. In Acts chapter 20, verses 20 and, and uh, 21, also in verse 19, Paul was meeting with the elders of the church at, uh, at Ephesus and he's talking about his ministry with them. And he said in verse 19, how they were, he said, serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears and temptations, which befell me by the lying weight of the Jews. Verse 20, and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house. That sounds like soul winning, doesn't it? 
and going to people. And this is what he gave them, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. I believe that salvation requires a repentant heart for our sins and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. I believe in order to be saved, we need to acknowledge to God that we are sinners. We've acknowledged the fact that we're, we haven't lived for Him. Whether we say it in these words or not, I'm not saying you've got to say exact words. Please don't get that from me. But in your heart, there needs to be a conscious turning away from your old life and turning yourself to God. That's what repentance is. It's an about face. And then faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. That's believing that what He did for us on the cross of Calvary is sufficient to wash away our sins. When He died on the cross of Calvary, He atoned for our sins. And the Bible says He not only died and was buried, but He arose victorious over death, hell, and the grave. Praise the Lord for that. He did that not only Himself, but He did that on behalf of all of those who by faith will receive Him as their personal Savior. I believe today come is the message of the Bible. And Jesus said, if any man thirsts, let him come unto me. Do you know the word come is used over 1,900 times in the Bible? If you want to get your, your uh, Bible uh, tool out there, uh, your concordance out there, what's the word there for a Get your concordance out and read the, the references over 1,900 times. Come is used in the Bible. In Genesis 7-1, God invited Noah and his family to come into the ark. In Isaiah 1.18, he said, Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. By the way, it's a reasonable thing to come to Christ. I know we receive Him by faith, but it's still reasonable. Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. It is a reasonable thing to receive Jesus Christ as personal Savior because it is unreasonable to stay in a condition where you're on your way to hell. It is reasonable to want to go and be with the Lord forevermore. In Revelation chapter 22, in the last chapter of the last book of the Bible, we see this message of come. In verse 17, in Revelation 22, And the Spirit and the bride say, Come. And let him that heareth say, Come. And let him that is athirst come. And whosoever, whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. The message of the Bible is to come to Jesus Christ. It is not come to the Lord's Supper. Although saved, scripturally baptized, fellowshipping members of the church ought to look forward to opportunities to observe the Lord's Supper together as we worship Him. It's a good thing for Christians to do. But the message of come and have your thirst satisfied is not come to the Lord's Supper. It is not come to the waters of baptism. I believe everybody gets saved ought to follow the Lord in scriptural believers' baptism. But baptism is something we do because we are saved, not so that we will be saved. It has not come to the priest, nor has it come to the preacher. It has not come to join the church. It has come to Christ and none other. You want salvation, come to Christ. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Jesus said, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I of himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. I love the words of the Apostle Peter on, in Acts chapter 4, and verse 12, 
where he made it very clear. He said, neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And Jesus said, ye must be born again. To be born again means to be born of the Spirit of God into the family of God. All of us here have experienced physical birth. Don't remember much about it, but I know I have because I'm here. Amen? We've all experienced physical birth, but there's the second birth. Being born again is to be born of the Spirit of God into the family of God. The Bible says when that happens, you are quickened or you're made alive by the Spirit of God. You're born of the Spirit of God into the family of God, a child of God for time and eternity. And Jesus said there's no other way. And Peter said by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, there is none other name. Please get a hold of this today if you've not come to grips with this yet. All religions are not equal. This business of, well, I don't think it matters what you believe as long as you're sincere what you believe, about what you believe. You know, we're going to uh, be leaving here and, and heading north when we leave here. I've been south so far this year and we're going to head up north. If, if I get out there to Interstate 75 and head south and say, I'm going to Kentucky, I can be real sincere about it, but I'll be wrong. Amen. It'll take me back to Florida where it's just going to get hotter and hotter and hotter. <laughs> We're, we live in a world of, uh, what do they call it? Religious plurality. And all religions are not the same because not all religions point people to Jesus Christ. And He's the only way. Somebody says, Preacher, you're just being intolerant. Well, I think we ought to be intolerant of falsehoods. We ought to be intolerant of that which will damn a person's soul to hell. Jesus is the way. He's the only way to salvation. He said, let him come unto me and drink. The word drink there signifies partake of or receive. And it's sad to say many people fail at this point. You must receive Jesus Christ as personal Savior. John chapter 1 and verse 12, the Bible says, but as many as received Him, to them gave He power, become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. You know, many people will come to church, and it's good to come to church. I'm not criticizing that at all. You know, coming to church won't take you to heaven. You come to a church like this, you'll learn how you can get ready to go to heaven. Learn how you can be saved, but church won't save you. People will come to Bible study. Our family doctor for many years uh, uh, was uh, a man who was not saved. And, and I talked to him about the Lord. And one day I was talking to him when I was in for checkup or whatever it was. And invited him to church again. Uh, witnessed to him about getting saved. And he said, I've been going to Bible study at the hospital. And somebody had a Bible study going for uh, doctors and nurses, personnel that wanted to go to a Bible study at a certain time uh, one day a week. And he's feeling really proud of himself about going to Bible study. And I was glad he's going to Bible study. I was hoping they were giving the gospel at that Bible study. And a lot of times they do. And he said, it's good you're going to Bible study, but you do need to be saved. You know, a lot of people will, will come to church. 
They'll, they'll, they'll go to Bible study. Uh, they'll, they'll be baptized. Many people think that seals it, that takes care of it, but that doesn't make you a Christian. People will go to every kind of religious activity and every kind of religious form or ritual. Some will even say a prayer. But you must come to Jesus and receive Him. And it's not complicated. It's not like it's hard to understand. You know, salvation is one of the mysteries of godliness. The Bible talks about the mystery of godliness. And it's not a mystery like it's hard to understand or hard to figure out or you got to work out this puzzle. It's not that kind of a mystery. It's called a mystery of godliness because people in the Old Testament times didn't understand what it was until Jesus came and died for our sins. And it was a mystery, but now it's clearly known and we clearly communicated repentance toward God and faith toward the Lord Jesus Christ. People fail to drink. They fail to personally receive Jesus Christ as Savior. You know, I think it's really important to believe the right things, but I want you to know that just believing in your head some things doesn't take you to heaven. You know, there are people who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And they believe that He was virgin born. And they believe He lived a perfect life. They even believe that He died a sacrificial death. And they believe that He's at the right hand of the Father today. They believe He rose from the dead and He's at the right hand of the Father today. And they even believe He's coming again. But you know, you can believe all those facts about Jesus Christ and still die and go to hell. Because the Bible says repentance toward God and faith toward the Lord Jesus Christ. Salvation is not just the adopting of a new religion. Salvation is not just accepting a group of religious tenets and beliefs. Salvation is receiving a person, the Lord Jesus Christ. And again, it's not complicated, but it's what needs to happen. If you're here today and you're in church and you're feeling good about being in church, and I think you ought to feel good about being in church. If you're here today and you're just feeling good about being in church and that's all it is, you being in church and you've not been saved, you're in church but you're still a hell-bound sinner until by faith you receive Jesus Christ as Savior. It is not complicated. It is simple and yet it is necessary. It's profound. On the last day, of the most joyous of festivals, Jesus said, if you thirst, come to me and drink. And what he was saying is, if you're not satisfied, come to me and you'll be satisfied. He even talked about rivers of living water flowing out of our belly as an illustration of satisfaction. He spoke of the thirst of soul and emptiness that only he can fill. I've already said it is universal. And I want you to know, People without Jesus Christ had a thirst of soul before that great feast, during the feast, and after the feast. You know, the same is still true today with people. The universal thirst in our day and time, people look forward to special events and special uh, happenings in their life. And people look forward to a special vacation or, or a man or woman looks forward to a promotion that they've worked for and, and prepared for for so long and they get the promotion at work or in the profession or whatever. They look forward to that. But I'm telling you, 
without Jesus Christ, you're empty before those things. You'll be empty while those things are happening. And you'll still be empty after those things have happened. Because only Jesus Christ can satisfy. And thanks be to God that He does. He invited people to come unto Himself. He invited them to drink, that is to partake of or receive Him. He invites you to come and be saved today. Now just before I'm finished, and I've wanted to emphasize that well today, and I will mention it again here momentarily, but some Christians are experiencing a thirst of soul. There are those who've been genuinely saved, genuinely received Jesus Christ as Savior, but you're walking afar off. You have salvation, but you've lost the joy and the other things that go with being saved in this life. And that happens because you let your priorities and your commitments be in the wrong place. Your heart's not right with God, and you know it. You have sin in your life, things you're doing you shouldn't, or things you're omitting that ought to be there. People like that, and that may be some of you, what you need is personal revival. You need to get right with the Lord. You need to confess your sin and be cleansed. You need to renew your commitment to the Bible, to prayer. Renew your commitment to church attendance, to Christian service. You need to renew your commitment to Him, the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to ask you today, do you have a thirst of soul? You may have a thirst of soul because you need salvation. If you're here today without Jesus Christ, you'll be given an opportunity to come. Somebody will take the Bible and show you how you can be saved. Hallelujah for that. If you're here today as a Christian, you know you're saved, but you know it's just not right between you and the Lord. Why don't you take care of that today? Why don't you not leave here in that condition? Why don't you get it right? Why don't you leave here today with victory rather than continued defeat in your life? Because of a wayward condition. Let's stand together today with heads bowed and eyes closed.